cast iron brains. I don't like the story. I don't like the way they present the story. I don't like the destruction that they cause in this, these worlds. It's like, I hate these people. They ruin things. iron brains a podcast that was perusing the twitter machine this fine morning and scrolled upon the following from daily wire blogger podcaster and noted this fucking guy matt walsh quote remember when they spent years telling us to panic over the hole in the ozone layer and then suddenly just stopped talking about it and nobody ever mentioned the ozone layer again this was also back during the time when they scared schoolchildren into believing that acid rain was a real and urgent threat, end quote. This brilliant critical analysis of the media environmentalist industrial complex, a cabal of fear-mongering control freaks who seek to turn us all into sniveling paranoiacs, afraid even of eating too many refried beans, lest our methane-laden farts contribute to global heat-trapping, Got this podcast thinking about all the other needless panics that have been fomented in the impressionable minds of generations gone past. Nefarious schemes for ill-gotten and perhaps ill-defined profit. All of them. Polio and smallpox, for instance. Remember when they used to try to freak us all out about those so-called diseases? And now, you never hear about them killing anybody. And remember when they spent years trying to scare the pants off of us because of the threat of nuclear annihilation at the hands of the godless communists? Now, our kids don't even do duck and cover drills. They've never even heard of the obviously mythical Soviet Union, which, this podcast will have you know, isn't even on the map anyway. These are the same assholes who, thousands of years ago, no doubt tried to lecture the population on not shitting in the waterhole. And now, you never hear these so-called experts talking anymore about the whole town dying because everybody drank sewage. Must have never been a problem, actually. Just another scheme to, one, scare the public. Two, you know, yada, yada, yada. And three, profit. My name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Just fine. Lori's just fine. Tonight is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. We're missing the ESPYs, Abe. Oh, is that today? Fuck! The ESPYs! We're missing them! <laughs> who's, who's hosting this year? Steph Curry is hosting the ESPYs <laughs> <Okay>. tonight. <laughs> What's the last like award show you watch? Actually, like more than we watch the Oscars. We watch every, the Oscars we had a every whole year. Talk about yeah. the Oscars. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I watch it the next day because of the slap. But I don't think I've actually watched. It's been a while. You wouldn't know. But I don't think I've ever watched the ESPYS because you know they used to have Peyton no, Manning host or some asshole like that. The only good ESPYS moment was the Norm Macdonald OJ yeah. joking thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Unless you have a host there who's actively making fun of the entire enterprise, then it's not worth tuning into, generally speaking. Right. That's that's not just the ESPYs, but especially the ESPYs. 
Yeah. Also, is Steph Curry remotely charming in a way that a presenter of this sort of event needs to be? He doesn't. He doesn't come off as charming to me. You know, I think you're right. He's good at golf. Apparently, I seen him once, and he was like, "Oh, oh golf." <laughs> that translates <laughs> to hosting an award show, right? No, no. But he was talking to Tariko about something, and like in that very small two-minute kind of chit-chat, he seemed fine. But to your point, I'm not sure if that translates to hosting uh, the SPs. But, you know, who, who do they have in past years? Like Rob Riggle or whatever? Like, I mean, he'll be fine. Uh, Justin it's not Timberlake like, did it. Oh, uh, Timberlake did one of these? Yeah, Norm MacDonald is the unachievable correct answer to yeah. hosting the ESPYs, right? But he's not anyway. like from the sports world, but yeah. There was like some sort of revisionism that went on with... Because like when the Warriors started winning eight years ago or whatever it was, they were sort of a, a hateable team. Like they, they, the whole league hadn't yet transformed into this just fucking hoist threes constantly sort yeah. of league. And so it's the, the old schoolers were like, this isn't basketball. And also yeah. they had Draymond, who was not at the time a likable individual, and, <laughs> and Clay and any number of other people. But like the new Warriors team that won the finals this past year, there was sort of a, in my experience of it anyway, people like liked this team because now it's a team of like salty old vets. And like, even though it's the same basic crew of personalities, like they, they sort of, you sort of come around on them. Like even me with Draymond, now that he's older and he's sort of an asshole still, but he's still like, he's not the 23 year old asshole that he was. He's now a 30 year old asshole. So, so you sort find them likable or more likable now than before? I find him more likable now than before, even though he's an incredibly unlikable. Yeah, he seemed like individual. he's more or less the same asshole. Right. Who's like agitating. But there's, some, there's something about the fact that he has been the same unlikable asshole yeah. for yeah. so long that it's like, all right, like that's just the, who the fucking guy is. Like now it's on me to decide whether or not I'm going to put up with it. And with that's Draymond, true. like I, I sort of came around on him in that way. Yeah. With Steph Curry, I never have. Like, I still, and it's something about the fact that he still does the thing with the mouth guard. Like, he what, still. Why did that bother you? I, so, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> why it bothers me, but I can't lie and pretend that it doesn't. But, like, there's some, like, weirdly, like, immature thing going on there with the fact, like, he just mopes around, right. chewing on the but stupid <laughs> rubber mouth guard. <laughs> And I just can't fucking stand it. And it nothing about the last ten years has has like has has my stance on him softened. I still find him incredibly unlikable. So you, I mean, he's obviously not Jordan, or whatever. But you know, Jordan, I've always said was obnoxious little shit. But you know, he used that as fuel. And I sometimes think, I mean, most of these guys do the same. But like uh, Steph Curry was like this scrawny nobody. He didn't get too many scholarship offers. Uh, to the schools he wanted to go to. I think he wanted to go to UNC. He's from the Carolinas. Doesn't get anything. He ends up going to Davidson or some random school. He makes a lot of shots. He's doing his little three-point thing because he's a scrawny guy. And still nothing. The NBA is like, ah, that's probably not going to work. He gets drafted. Sure. People he's the are... greatest three-point shooter of all right. time. But Fine. that's why He's I'm not thinking... a top 10 basketball player of all time. And I, I know this is not a sports podcast, and this is not, <laughs> this is not the Biffler, which would be the, the more natural home for this sort of conversation. But right. the notion that Steph Curry belongs on, the, on a list of the top 10 or the top 20 basketball players of all time just does not work for me well, at all. Give him time. You know, he's still got a few more years. He can, he can get in that... In that group, what is he going to do? He's not going to improve. He's just going to no, continue but, to take very long shots and right. like and, 
and he'll and make be successful. Yeah, he'll yeah. be successful at it, and he'll be he's like he'll be like a Jerry Rice type. Like his record. So what if what is, if Steve be- Kerr had worked on his handles a little bit harder and also hoisted up fucking thirty shots a game? Who knows? Like it was just a different sort of game twenty right. years ago. But he did it. I mean, yeah, maybe hypothetically someone else could have done it, but he is doing it. But uh, the reason why I made the point is that. Think of it from his point of view. Like he's always been like, "Oh, this guy is too small. This little gimmick thing is not gonna work," and it has worked. And he's like, "What? At title number four? So I will give him a little, little room to be obnoxious with his, whatever. You know, yeah. cut him a little slack because he made it. He made it all the way on the other side, and now he's fucking hosting the ESPYS. Look at him. <laughs> Nowhere to go from here. Certainly." <laughs> Mega Millions is up to $630 million, Abe. Did you buy a ticket and throw it away last week? No, not not as yet, but I will. Uh, I'm going to confirm. Uh, you told me it was Friday. I'm going to make sure I get the ticket. Uh, yeah, I'm if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, or the next, you still have time, listeners, before 11 o'clock on Friday. And, uh, you know. We don't have a subscription model here. We don't accept any ads on the podcast. <laughs> but if you happen to win a half a billion fucking dollars, you know, slide me a Venmo or something. Just a little <laughs> bit of money. Are you able to do quick pick for the regular numbers and choose the whatever ball number? I don't know. Do give you- I don't okay. know. I always just do quick pick. Although this most recent one no, I did. Don't. I, last night when I went to the grocery store. Basically, exclusively in order to buy a lottery ticket because it was up to $550 million. And I hadn't made it to the grocery store in, in a few days, so I hadn't had a chance to buy a ticket. So, you know, there are a few things that I needed to pick up anyway, but like it was a largely unnecessary trip. But I went out anyway, basically, just to also get the lottery ticket. And I did a, I did a not quick pick. And it didn't work. I guess is, right. is the the bottom line here. I selected my own numbers. We didn't win five hundred and fifty million dollars. Do you secretly hope that it keeps going? To- no. Yes, I want to see uh, like an absurd five billion dollar. Like I want, I want the next lottery winner of the Mega Millions to become like the seventh richest person on the planet. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Great. Uh, anyway. Before we get into, I do want to talk a little bit at length about my opening rant there, Matt Walsh. Your boy. But before we do that, this will be understood as a personality defect of mine, no doubt. But I recently discovered something about dishwashers. Oh, which is that uh, dishwashers get one now. Dishwashers work, and I know that sounds silly. But, like, for years, I've been a person who basically... This is such fantastic news to me. I'm surprised that you haven't noticed the fact that our... I did notice you were putting things in the dishwasher that you didn't previously put in the dishwasher. Right. So... I've noticed. Here's the... Here's what's going on. I thought you were on. depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten depressed, so now I just... I just <laughs> load dirty shit into the dishwasher. I've long been a person who pre-washes everything that goes in the dishwasher like i physically remove in excess of 90 percent of the crap that's stuck to the point where you can't tell if the dishes are dirty or clean when you open the dishwasher i see you have to judge by the finish on the dishwasher door on the bottom like if it looks like kind of stale water then yeah then it's dirty, but you can't tell from the condition of the actual dishes. 
Right. Right. So I've long treated the dishwasher essentially as like a sanitation device rather than a cleaning and washing and sanitation device, right? But wasn't isn't that how it used to be? You know, the dishwashers of yeah. old, you had to do some years work. ago. Right. 30 years but the, ago. Right. My my mindset Pre-internet. is the same as internet. Old Bob because I don't use dishwashers because of that. Well, like you're if one I'm going to person, whatever. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe they they got better. Our dishwashers better, better now. They got better just like Right, Every so other bit of technology. I want, to, I want to finish, in my own defense, I'm going to finish my entire process here, right? Which is that, first of all, my suspicion of dishwashers as a, as a device of, like, maximum utility was always borne out by the fact that I have unloaded many a so-called clean dishwasher and had fucking crappy food leavings right. still stuck to plates and forks and knives and whatnot, right? Like, right. that's the thing. And to me, that is the worst possible outcome. I would much rather... <laughs> because yeah. now it's been through the dishwasher and it's been, like, superheated. So now the, the crusty food on there is, like, it might as well be fucking super glued to the thing. It's not coming yeah. out off unless you soak it for, like, three fucking days at this point. So my, my previous experience with poorly dishwashed dishes led me to my long-standing like entire adult life situation where i basically wash things before loading them into the dishwasher right? it was wildly inefficient in terms of time and right. wasted water and all of the rest right like it's just it's just bad all around but i thought necessary then i found i stumbled upon a 45 minute long YouTube video. <laughs> the amount of rage I feel right now. Right. Okay. So Lori is saying that like I've been telling you this for years, and like she wouldn't have been the only one to tell me that, and it's shameful that I would listen to some asshole on YouTube. Was this and a, not, a male asshole or not a my female own asshole? <laughs> right. Which kind of asshole? I so, bet you it was a male what asshole sort you were of listening a, what, to. What sort of a woman would make an hour-long YouTube video about <laughs> dishwashers? And the answer is that woman doesn't exist. Only a man has that has the audacity necessary no, to create such a product. No, because men find it off-putting when women want to p- go on diatribes about dishwashers. Anyway, what this individual did, and I'll make sure that there's a link to the video in the show notes in case anybody wants to go see for themselves. But he was attacking this myth of uh, dishwashers actually kind of suck, which is a myth that I, for many years, held near and dear to my heart. And what I discovered in in part by watching this 45-minute-long YouTube video about dishwashers, is that the reason that my I have this long-standing belief that dishwashers suck is because I haven't really been using them correctly, at least since we've been in this house, right? That's what I fucking said. No, I don't think I've ever heard this from you. I said you're not supposed to rinse them. You're just supposed to put them in the dishwasher. No, no, it's, it's not like rinsing them made it harder for the dishwasher to do its work. <laughs> that is That is ridiculous. I, I haven't... I'm interested to find out how you were doing it wrong. Don't you just press the buttons? Right. So there's a the apparently, especially with my model dishwasher, which is a Bosch, which is a it's a high, it's a relatively high end dishwasher. It's not like this ludicrous like six thousand dollar dishwasher. I've been saying that for how long have we lived here? It's a nice dishwasher. Yeah, it's a nice dishwasher. It's not a shitty dishwasher. It's a good dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. But the fact remains that I have pulled sullied dishes out of a dishwasher right. that had gone through the, the wash cycle in this very house with that very dishwasher, right. which is what a uh, long way of getting to the fact that this is a dishwasher that does not have a, comp- a compartment that you put soap in 
for the pre-wash, right? So you you open up a dishwasher a lot of the time, and it's got two compartments for where you want to put your soap. And it right. has the compartment that you close, and then it has another component that's open to the rest of the dishwasher where you would load the rest of the of the soap or you you'd load you'd load a smaller amount of soap for the rinse cycle. This is not something that I ever thought about and I never read the fucking manual for my Bosch dishwasher that came with my house. We so don't I, have it. I couldn't have been expected to know it anyway necessarily. But there is no pre-wash sec- section in our Bosch dishwasher. It's just you you fill the little tank dispenser thing and then you close it and then you start the cycle. And there is no segment for pre-wash what you're supposed to do according to the uh, the bosch manual which i'd never fucking read before is you just squirt or you sprinkle if you have the 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 dry stuff or the or the gel you squirt a little bit of the gel just on the door before you close it and then start the cycle and it's that pre-washing that actually does like 90 percent of the work right and if it's just doing it with hot water it's not doing nearly enough of a job because first of all these are supposed to be high efficiency machines and when you first start the machine it doesn't preheat the water it just pulls from your tap and so that whenever you turn hot water on on the tap it takes a few seconds or a minute or or 30 seconds or a minute before it actually gets to the the water that's been heated in the water heater all the way downstairs in the basement right so it takes a minute to get the hot water into the dishwasher so what it's been doing, if you don't put the additional soap in there, is it is going to run just sort of lukewarm and non-soapy water all over your dishes, which is no better than just sort of running them under the faucet for a second before you put them in, right? So it's not doing any additional work. Apparently, and this has been the revelation, is that if I run the hot water for 30 seconds so that the water actually gets super hot before... I then start the dishwasher because it's just pulling from the same exact pipe, right? So it doesn't right. matter. And I, I also squirt some of my uh, dishwashing liquid into the bottom of the, of the dishwashing pan there. It, it's, uh, it's a fucking miracle. The dishwasher works as intended. So is that actually what it says in the manual? Like squirt about? Yes. And apparently because like there's this whole fucking military industrial complex built around these stupid pods where they have the, the, they're like wrapped in plastic. Like they make them for laundry too. And I don't, maybe we don't use those either. But they also have these like, these pods. And instead Side of pods, the, like the Gen Z kids eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Except Gen for Z dishwashers. Candy. And apparently there's like this, because Cascade wants to, because they're more expensive. It's just more fucking money from the consumer right. rather than the, the powder or the gel. Anyway, there's a long fucking rambling story about how I figured out that dishwashers actually work if you fucking use them like you're supposed to use them. But there's not a lot of indication, even, and on this Bosch model, which is apparently a great dishwasher, you're just supposed to fucking squirt some of the gel right. just freely into the thing, which doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's not intuitive. And by the way, figured out is a bit strong. Uh, so you just watch a YouTube No, I didn't figure it out. I fucking watched a 45-minute long YouTube video that, that explained to me what to do. And yeah, it, People are like, what does Bob do all day with the kids this summer? <laughs> now I have an answer. Uh, this was back, this was before. This was, school was still okay. in session. I just have continued to forget to bring up the fact that I've discovered, I've made this great discovery about how dishwashers actually work. But you know what's interesting? I have... Uh, uh, besmirched uh, the good name of dishwasher 
at many people's homes. Like, you know, somebody would get a new home and they would have some top of the line dishwasher. I'm like, you know, these are all the same. It's a whole racket, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they would always say, no, it works. But they never say, have you thought of squirting or doing something against the door? How come that's not like a a thing people say? Like, I'm surprised that no one's like, have you tried doing it this slightly different way? They just take my ignorant commentary and they're like, right. well, it works for me. And then they move on. And it's like, you know what I think though? I think most people don't notice when their forks come out with a little bit of food stuck to them because I I've noticed that like, I'm a noticer. Don't notice oh. is different than, than not caring. Right. That's the part. So I, like, in, in my right, head, I have we to have assume a, we're living in the world. I it's have disastrous. to assume that people don't notice because the notion of not caring that the fucking fork came out of the dishwasher still dirty is completely unacceptable to me. I'm, right. I'm much more comfortable with the idea that people don't notice than the okay. fact that people don't care. I mean, it's kind of hard not to notice, though. I mean, they probably just don't care. Right? Just, I don't know. It's people clean. were always it's clean dirt pe- now. People were always blown away by me and my fucking pizza job, the things that I would notice to the point where they would be like concerned that I had cameras looking at them, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> Anyway, what's this got to do with Matt Walsh? <laughs> it has nothing to do with Matt Walsh. I oh. was just appreciating the fact that I have, like, I've, I've, I have a new relationship with my dishwasher, and I'm, it's much better for the environment. This is one more step in, yes. my, in my great uh, attempt to save the goddamn world. I'm not world. wasting water anymore. I'm not wasting water that, in that particular way. In that we particular way, we waste it differently. Way. Yeah. So yeah. Look at your goddamn dishwasher manual, people out there. If you are like me and have long distrusted dishwashers, uh, just squirt a little bit of extra in the pre-wash and run the hot water for a second before the dishwasher starts, and you'll find your dishwasher probably works fucking great. Right. He even he did this whole thing where he like he cut out the side of a dishwasher and and put plexiglass there so he could watch the entire thing, the entire cycle happen. It was cool. Wow. Do you think that uh, it's not pushed by the companies? It's never worked into these goofy commercials that they have. Do you think it just it looks too goofy? No, because to they do? want to advertise them as being like magical devices where okay. you just you just pop the stupid tablet in there and close the door, and then you know your life is ten times easier. And so, any prep work leading up to it would undermine that. Like they, that's they right. Get them. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So that Matt Walsh quote that I read at the top that is a that's an actual thing that he said on Twitter and did not delete or retract or even further address in any way. I mean, he's, being a tro- he's being a troll on purpose. By the way, it's, do you I, think, do, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. do you think, yeah. do you think that, yeah. because obviously it's either he's dumb or he's a liar or it's both, right? I think it's, I think it's like being willfully dumb. Yeah. Like a I Laura that- Ingram style. Not Laura Ingram, the other one, and Coulter, and Coulter style. I don't get what they're even talking about. <laughs> That's what it seems I, like. I, I, my, my suspicion is, and by the way, what I was going to say is that this is unfair to you, Bob, but I 100% associate you to him. I don't. You must have been the first one to, but anytime I see his name, I know yeah. oh, that's that fucking guy that Bob showed me once, and I see him <laughs> everywhere. This is your fault. But I think... You know how people, uh, they get a kick, and it's almost like an its own industry of, like, agitating political adversaries. So, like, this does that. So they know that— Okay, except—yes, except that it's now—we've entered the next phase of being online, where—do you remember the, the 
or you're familiar, I'm sure, with the notion of what what was called getting ratioed. I've heard of the term. The term has been explained to me. I still don't have a grasp on what that means. It's whatever. The, uh, instead of getting into the details, which uh, require like a whole episode of like Reply All or something like that from five years ago to oh, explain, yeah. I'll just say that to get ratioed in the common parlance is to get way more replies than likes to the thing that you've done, right? Okay. It's to, it's to make a post that generates a great deal of mockery and making fun of rather than just normal thumbs-up engagement, right? But but the ratio basically assumes that if there's a lot of chatter, it's got to be negative. So is there ever uh, a scenario where you're ratioed in a positive way? Like, boy, look at this, a lot of yakety-yak. Because there's no thumbs-down, that kind of thing. Okay. Like, you can easily like a thing. Right. Right. If you, you were in agreement, you could just hit that button and move on. Yeah. Right. And I always, disagree. I always okay. treated the ratio, the, the conversation around the ratio, or the fact of it as a thing, and as an obviously, as, as a thing that reliably signaled that somebody was getting owned. Yeah. Right? Because that's what it is. It's, it's, it, it, it became a reliable signal of somebody getting owned online. I treated that fact, not making any judgments about it, but I treated that the fact that that the ratio signaled getting owned online as proof that Twitter fucking sucked, right? And right. I still sort of do, right? Because if you have a, a communications device where the more communication happens, yeah. the more it is likely that that person is getting owned right? <laughs> like, and has done something stupid and worthy of getting owned, then what you have is a very poor product for communication right right like, like that, that is true because that's that's i think that's why i guess until now i never really understood it because it's like just because there's a lot of commentary how do you know in which direction that commentary is going but if you're assuming that it's negative which makes sense like laurie said like if people were in agreement they were more likely to just say yeah basically here's the button and i can move on and, but right. and so like if they're commenting on it they must be objecting to something in the tweet. Right. And now, it when you go and you look at this tweet, for example, it has 35,000 likes and it has 50, it has approaching 8,000 retweets and quote tweets. And Twitter doesn't really give you the number of comments underneath anymore, but it's not in excess of 35,000, right? right? Like there's, there, there are not that many comments under the thing because at some point, like, a thread just sort of reaches terminal velocity and there's like nobody really adds anything to it any longer there's nothing right. more to add but the the point is that the, so in a, in a certain sense for someone who's achieved a certain level of internet fame and a and a big enough following it's effectively impossible to get ratioed because you have your own group of 100,000 followers who like right. all the shit that you do no matter what. Right. And nobody on the other side fucking cares enough to try to own you anymore, right? right? So it's almost like a, it, it was a brief thing that happened in the 2010s, basically, where you could get really great ratios where it would be like 340 comments and 12 retweets and six likes or something like that, right? Right. Like, where it, where it was obvious, and these were small enough numbers where it was still sort of fun to say, oh, that looks like so and so's batting average, and like it, it's like a triple slash line in baseball, basically yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyways, all beside the point. Do you think, and it's, I think based on what you already said, do you think that he knows the whole story about the ozone layer and the fact that it was actually like 
this wild success of collective action. And the same goes for Acid Rain, by the way. And like, this is all on me for me spending an hour of my day researching how we fix the ozone layer and how we fixed the acid rain problem. And like, like genuinely thinking, oh, was acid rain just like this bogus thing cooked up by a bunch of kooky environmentalists, like this uh, basically a marketing ploy or what have you? And no, as it turns out, acid rain was a fucking thing and it was killing lakes and stuff and killing forests. And Canada and the United States worked together and basically with a, a cap-and-trade program right. eliminated acid rain as a problem in the United States by, by limiting certain kinds of sulfur emissions based on uh, a market solution. They approached it in a, in a rational way with rational solutions uh, collectively, and it fucking worked, right? right? So it's like an actual solution to a real problem. And is it possible that Matt Walsh, with his stupid internet brain, just doesn't know that? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know... Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, and I mean, maybe he didn't know that the example that he pointed to was the exact wrong one, where basically it was like a not only a success story, it totally undermines the thrust of his argument, which is basically like, oh, they, they'll just say, you know, this formidable they, there's always a they, 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 right? The they... They do this all the time, you know, just like they're telling you there are these current modern-day problems. They pointed to problems 20, 30 years ago, and it came and went, and nothing happened. Basically, I think the argument, if you don't look into the research, that's probably why he has all those likes. If you don't do any research, you're like, oh, yeah, they did stop talking about it. But, like, they stopped talking about it because they went into fixing the problem, and it's no longer the problem that it was. But it's possible that he did not look into this specific case. And as soon as he got all the blowback, there's no way that you can go back. It's like, oh, my bad, guys. I was trying to own you, and then uh, I look like an idiot. So he's going to go with it. But it's possible that he just kind of, like, mixed up the examples. I don't know what other example he was trying to go to, but, like, he fucked up on that part. I was trying to find what fallacy it would fall under, and I can't, I couldn't find one that fit exactly, like, what logical fallacy. Yeah. But, it, but it's like this weird thing where... Because we solved the, it's 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 something that we talked about a few times through COVID too. Actually, right. yeah, it's, but it it's was like, exactly COVID thing. Because we worked hard and solved the problem, it must not have actually yeah. been a problem in the right. first place. No, it's right. what I said when everything started getting locked down, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's stupid." It was like it's going to be really annoying when not as many people die as everyone, right. and everyone's like, "Oh, see, that was stupid." Fortunately, uh, nothing fucking worked, and lots of people died. (laughs) So we didn't all suffer from that fallacy. But 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 that is true. Like uh, uh, successfully taking on a problem would look to some as a failure because like you were being an alarmist and it didn't come to fruition. Not taking into consideration that it the reason why it didn't come to fruition because you did something about it. It's kind of like. Yeah, it's a very weird kind of setup. And and using the ozone layer thing as a model for, and the acid rain thing as a model for future climate action should be what we're doing. Like, we right. should, in fact, like, to his credit, we should still be hearing about the ozone layer because it's a really good marketing tool for people who want to fucking save the world, if that's what they're on about, which is that Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher helped, like, the two uh, the two arch-conservatives of, of the two arch-conservative boogeymen of a whole generation of uh, liberals managed to work together with the whole rest of the goddamn world. Like, 187... Right. 
different states and, and the entire European Union worked together to eliminate the use of these of the CFCs, these these whatever they are, uh, chlorofluorocarbons or whatever. And ceasing to use those stopped the expansion of the hole in the ozone layer, and it's been shown over the last few years that it's starting to heal itself, as they as they predicted. Right. And we're not all dying because all of the UVAs and UVBs are no longer being blocked by the ozone layer. In fact, it's working again, so it's good. Yeah, you're right. Why don't they Why don't they market these successes? Um, you know, instead of I, I keep on seeing commercials for hey, come visit our state, like Rob Lowe's talking up California, somebody else is talking up Wyoming or whatever. Why not, like, hey, remember in the 70s, L.A. looked like this, like with all the smog, and now it, it's like slightly less so because, you know, of the Clean Air Act or whatever, you know, like attribute past policy to present yeah, day Because we paid success. corporations to stop dumping sulfur into the atmosphere, right. and the air got better. And right. nobody fucking talks about it like yeah. it's some sort of great success. <laughs> right. And instead, we all have to hear about how 104 degree temperature means that Britain's going to sink into the ocean or what have you. There's something about the, the tone with which you approach these things that I think gets you ultimately nowhere. And whether, whether that's something like that Don't Look Up movie, which is just smarmy, snarky fucking bullshit all the way up until the end. And I like I don't know. There there must be a way to better communicate than the path that we've been on for the last few years. So there was a uh, an opinion piece. I think it was the Washington Post last week, and the writer of the piece was admitting guiltily that they basically are tuning the news out because it's very like, over, you know, just bad stuff all the time. Somebody's getting killed here. There's an earthquake there. It's just a lot of negative kind of. Framing because you know they admit it's because it's profitable. That's what people will click on. the The most negative presentation of whatever happens is what people will click on. Uh, but people eventually will tune out. And they were uh, highlighting some big piece that they did. You know, one of these interactive stories, and it was on climate change. And it was like the sky's falling, everything's a disaster, all of that stuff. And basically, the argument that uh, they were making is that those kind of angles gets people to tune out because they'll feel hopeless like well what the fuck if all of this is going to happen there's not much i can do about it so when people feel like hopeless uh then they're less likely to engage in it and those uh, are, and those those are the liberals who feel that way those right. are the ones those are right. the that's the audience that ostensibly you should be able to best communicate with on these issues but by the same to by that same helpless token when you present these things as inevitable disasters and the end of the world, then the other people, like the 25% of Americans who are evangelical Christians yeah. who believe that God's in charge of everything, right. they equally just they, – they take those sorts of inevitability conversations and they're like, yeah, well, it's all in God's hands anyway. So who, who am I to care about the Starbucks straws or whatever? Right. right, exactly. But they were saying like one way to present the news is to show when things do work because – People are like, oh, okay, so there are steps that can be taken. It's not going to be overnight, but you can start on something today, and by the end of the decade, we'll turn some issue around for the next group of people, right? People can then say, okay, so there is a path forward. There's something I can do. Basically, they're saying, like, if you just tell people just all the negative stuff that happens, they will not only feel hopeless, that their mental health will be fucked up. And no, no change will come about. It's not like... If we scare people, they're going to take action. Like, that's not how people work. People don't actually respond that way when you're like, the sky is falling. 
And people are like, what can I do about it? They're like, fuck, the sky is falling. I'm just going to hide under my covers, right? And, right. and I'll, I'll make sure that there's a link to that because it's a good op-ed that, that you sent along last week from the Washington Post. And it, she does. She offers three things that, you can, that news media can do to try to get people to actually engage with their content rather than just what's effectively doom scrolling, which is like right. it's almost it doesn't even come down to what the actual product of journalism is when you actually read the whole fucking article. It's the way that they get you to click the thing in the first place. Yeah. And if the headline and the lead and the first three paragraphs are all doom and gloom and a disaster, nobody's going to, first of all, nobody's going to fucking, nobody fucking reads it anyway. Yes. So like, even <laughs> if you do offer solutions in paragraph 19 after the jump, you won't have effectively communicated that. It's a good, it's a good op-ed and it's worth reading. Although I did find it funny that she points to about half a dozen years ago, something changed. The news started to get under my skin. Where she, like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, well, let's see. 2022, half a dozen years ago. Let's do the math. Some, what happened? Something changed in 2016 or so. I'm not quite sure what it was. Uh, now, I don't um, advise this. I think I'm, I'm probably the only one that does this, but like, I'll watch the news on delay. Just because I'm always like, you know, sometimes if I watch today's news and they present something and it's unresolved, like, oh, this this type of vehicle is killing babies in the back because of the way it's set up and it's not uh, uh, very safe. And I want to know, well, what steps are they taking to fix it? So I usually will watch these news magazine shows from like five months ago. And then I'll look it up. Like, did they do something in the intervening months? And sometimes they do. Right. And it's like, great. Look at that. That story worked for me. <laughs> But if I watch it when it came out, like, oh, what the fuck? What do you want me to do with this information? You know, so no one's going to do this. But, like, that's what I do. I always listen to stuff, podcasts that are very old and news stories that are, like, six months old just to see, like, if anything has improved or the arguments made. Um, I mean, it's got to be a much better way of, like, living your life. But I don't know. Because, like, if I've spent two or three hours out of my day at, like, various points, like, reading articles and, and scrolling through Twitter... I feel like I know what's going on in the world, but I don't feel any better about anything. Yeah. Right. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's, and it's not like I've come to any greater understanding of anything either. It's just ultimately consuming the news is just another fucking hobby. Right. It, it's not any more moral or correct than any, like it's not any better than fucking playing video games for that two or three hours. Like I, I, I don't really believe that, but, <laughs> but, but in terms of what it does to my brain chemistry, I don't think that it's at, it, it's not any different than just sitting around and playing video games for two hours. Like it's still satisfying the same stupid neural connections that that completing a puzzle in a Zelda game would be. I think. Yeah. Back to Walsh for a second. I don't think that he's just being a troll, and I do think that he just sincerely, like he's he's got such intense, and and all of these people in right-wing media can get such intense terminally online brain in their own ecosystem where they don't ever really hear or they, they've learned to so completely reject reality as presented by the rest of the mainstream media that he legitimately believes that the ozone layer was just a, a bogus moral panic right. in the same way that we used to hear about before there was global warming, I've been told that in the 70s, they were warning us about the coming global uh, ice age and that there wasn't any, like we needed to 
fix the world to prevent the next ice age from happening and everybody nobody cares about that anymore it must have just been a moral panic as right. well just like the ozone layer just like acid rain like I, I really think that these people get so completely invested in their own conception of the world and that anything that is said by the people in this in this liberal media bubble must be total bullshit that that he legitimately doesn't think that we could have done anything that would have solved the ozone crisis. Yeah, that's certainly possible because, uh, and, and you may be right, because if you did, in fact, know better, you probably wouldn't step in it like he did, right? Where you would just, you would come up with a different framing or different argument or, I don't know, but like, if you were fully aware of the fact that the reason why you don't hear about it is because they did something about it, you, you may not use that as your case study. Uh, and so maybe he just was ignorant of that. Right. Do you think any of these like shill types have imposter syndrome? Because it seems like they're very confident in their position, uh, and they don't think that no, they can the whole, be wrong. The whole brand is in being absolutely certain of everything, right? right. Like that's, I mean, maybe I don't know. It's like when Ben, if Ben Shapiro has the confidence to go on in front of his many millions of followers and talk about how his wife assured him that if somebody has an excessively wet vagina, then there must be a problem with right. that person's <laughs> vagina. Like, this is this is a person who does... He's never even considered the possibility that he could be anything but absolutely right. And he is surrounded by... And he's been, like, he's been proven out. Like, right. he's made millions of millions of dollars on his... Nothing more than his absolute certainty. Right. And why, why would he believe anything else? By the way, if what... Matt Walsh, your boy, said uh, was true. Like uh, it was this boogeyman that the they came up with. Usually, these conspiracy theories involve either control, like more control, uh, or like money or whatever. Like, what was the what was the hook for this one? They're being alarmist twenty, thirty years ago. Where did the money come? Like, what was the whole thing? What was the point of making up the ozone layer thing? I'm sure it's just a question of uh, exercising greater control over the mundane details of your individual life. They don't want you to have that hairstyling product because they don't like it when you feel good about yourself. <laughs> like it's 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 literally that level of stupid. Okay, yeah, that is pretty stupid. I've been reading a book and I haven't finished it yet, so I haven't really talked about it at all here on the show. It's by Václav Smil, if I'm saying that. Correctly, I'll be very surprised. It's uh, V-A-C-L-A-V-S-M-I-L. He's often recommended by Bill Gates. He's one of Bill Gates's favorite writers. Oh. And a bulk of the first whole chunk of the book is dedicated to explaining basically how entirely dependent we are on fossil fuels in ways that we just cult we just do not appreciate in any meaningful way. Like, and not that he's trying to throw water on the notion of like solar energy and and other alternative forms of fuel but just to to try to put in perspective just how much biomass and the burning of that biomass goes into uh, our everyday products and like it just it cannot be overstated i don't have any of the numbers in front of me but he does things like he says that carton of eggs represents two and a half liters of diesel fuel right like every time you pick up a carton of eggs right behind it on the grocery store shelf might as well be two and a half liters of diesel fuel because that's how much went into producing that carton of eggs that you're buying 
And it's just, we do not currently have a rational solution for feeding, essentially, for feeding and and housing and providing electricity to seven and a half or eight billion people on this planet. And, a, and an answer is not immediately forthcoming. Do you think uh, that uh, there would be any benefit in like managing expectations by highlighting this point to say like, uh, this is where we want to go, but we are so reliant, like everything is connected to fossil fuels. I mean, like you said, how did this, how do these dozen eggs get to your local store, right? Like it didn't just come out of nowhere. Like it was delivered here. Everything is connected to that. So like, do you think if they said- right, Like that, all the way down to all the way down to the chicken feed, right? It, which was produced by a, like a, a so X amount of nitrogen went into the fertilizer that fed the food, that fed the chicken, that, you know, like it's all like, you know, the, the poop of, of the antelope or whatever, South Park style, yeah. everything's fucking connected. <laughs> and- I think I see now. I'm the pool of the antelope that flows onto the ground. Becomes the grass of tomorrow, yeah. which the prisoners turn around. I think it is actually something that people intuitively know. So to your point, like, is it is this something that could be communicated in such a way? And I think the answer is yes, because I think people intuitively know we're not getting off fucking oil. And like all of the pie in the sky stuff about how we're going to solve, like nobody actually believes that wind and solar is going to replace the incredible amount of energy that is required to feed 8 billion people on this planet. You don't think that there's a misunderstanding on those two points? I think if they pulled it, some people think like we're right around the corner when it comes to the alternative energy sources being the primary sources, right? I, I, I'm not sure if people are, like know that. That's like with the dishwasher thing. I don't think people know you're supposed to do a little pre whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like it's because it's always been something that I've sort of understood. Like not that I was able to conceptualize it in the way that this Smeal guy is is laying it out for me, but I've always sort of intuitively understood that there's no getting off oil we've right. built the entire world around it we've gone from a half a billion people to seven and a half billion people in just a couple of centuries and it's largely a result of the burning of fossil fuels and there's there's just no getting past that basic fact uh, and, and who knows what it means for the long-term health of the planet I, I know you haven't finished the book but do, are there solutions offered by this Fellow? Not not yet. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm I'm only about halfway through, and it's one of these books that it's deceptively short because, like, the last 200 pages of it are just notes and references. Yeah, I felt daunted by it at first. Like, I don't know if I can actually read all 300 pages of this. It's a little bit dense. But then you look at how much of it is just notes and stuff. I don't know. I assume that there must be some sort of uh, catharsis or or solutions offered at some point. Uh, but I'll I'll report back when I finish it. Let's see. It's uh, super hot in England, and that's bumming people out. On that front, I don't know how true this is, but I think it was either NPR or some some station I was listening to. They were saying that the the infrastructure isn't built to withstand this kind of heat, which I thought was interesting. No, like even if they did suddenly ha all have air conditioning, it would all go. Yeah. Right. If if they could all suddenly turn their thermostats down to 68 degrees in the summer, it would just melt the power plants or what have yeah. you. They, they just don't have the infrastructure for it at this point. They should just tell. And there's a there's an element of like gross human hubris to this that ends up bumming me out, and not in the way that you're probably expecting when I say that. But the, when they talk about 
how we need to make the world a more comfortable place for future generations. Like, like life is just, it's not going to be comfortable on the con like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like all of humanity has to be between 58 and 78 degrees uh, Fahrenheit uh, in perpetuity forever. Like right. uh, fucking life's hard, man. Yeah. Like the, the planet's going to, uh, the old Carlin thing about, the planet's not sick. We are like the planet's going to shake us off like a like a bad cold, is right. what Carlin says. Yeah. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. The people are fucked. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. The planet has been here for four and a half billion years. All right. Four and a half billion. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe. 200,000? Maybe. And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat, that somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just afloating around the sun? Planet has been through a lot worse than us for a long time. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. Planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. A surface nuisance. That's depressing uh, on one level, but also fun so so fundamentally true. Like the planet is going to be fine. There's not a lot. Like it's it's humans that are fucked. And, right. and <laughs> I, I know that there's there's an element of the environmentalist movement that recognizes that and is trying to prevent the fucking of humans. But I don't know. I'm also curious because I've seen a little bit recently on demographic collapse, and this is now getting out into things that I have not read nearly enough about to be able to talk on them intelligently. But there's some projections about China's population that it could be like cut into like 50 years from now, there could be a third less Chinese. Uh, because, what? yeah, because of like the one child policy and all the rest of it. Yeah. That they're going to go like rather suddenly from this expansionist one and a half billion people to like just total population demographic collapse in the next couple of generations. Right. Which could be really good for the planet in a really sort of unfortunate way, potentially. I don't know. I'll, I'll read more about that and, and report back on that as well. To your point, uh, there, there's this population projection by the end of this century. So by 2100, China is going down, like from 1.4 billion to 700 and so million. And out of nowhere, Nigeria, which you know, biggest country in Africa, but they're not, nobody talks about Nigeria as a big population, whatever. They're going to jump all the way to number two by the end of the century. India is going to be at number one. It's just wow. weird. How many Nigerians are there now? So currently they're at 200 million. So they're, they don't have as many as we do. Uh, and they're going to be at almost 800 million by the Jesus end of the century. Christ. America's going to be flat the whole decade. Will be, I mean, the whole century, rather. Yeah. Well, who knows? Anytime I start reading about like big demographic trends, I just have this inherent nervousness. Yeah, like, like it's it's way too close to like very strange conversations that I just don't want to know too much about. I think. I, I mean, what will have to happen for China's population to be halved in eighty years? Like, is there some weird like war? Because they're or? super fucking old. They're so that apparently the population is just aged. It's aging like, like crazy. Us. Much like us, on a, but on a much more dramatic scale, where at least we have immigrant well, populations that are helping. they had the too many babies helping. problem. Right, they had too many. And too many and guys, and, right? And, 
Right. And now they have too many single men, but they had, so they had this whole couple of generations where they just had way too many fucking people. So they said, we got to snip this in the bud and not allow us, we can't be reproducing at this rate any longer. And so now they have this aging geriatric population where their baby boom is going to be between 60 and 80 years old and they won't have nearly enough people uh, left being productive members of the economy to support this aging population who can't so work anymore. Hundred, like hundreds of millions of uh, old people in abject poverty. Is that the what right? That's looking? the fear. Yeah. Holy that's the shit. Concern. That that's gonna suck for them. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. It, it doesn't make it doesn't make for great like baby making moods. You no. Know? Like you just you don't want to uh, bring more people into the onto the planet in that way. All right, uh, real quick on our bogus future. A couple of stories jumped out at me recently. First, and this is less concerning, but uh, interesting nonetheless. This is a headline from The Verge from a couple weeks ago. BMW starts selling heated seat <laughs> subscriptions for $18 a month. Uh, subhead, the auto industry is racing towards a future full of microtransactions. So, BMW, luxury car maker, right? But if you want to have the heated seats on your brand new $70,000 fucking BMW, you need to pay a goddamn monthly fee of $18 a month. This is not happening yet, but they're, they're going to be rolling it out in the future. Or alternatively, you can pay for unlimited access to heated seats for $415 for the life of the car. My first question is... Can you rotate this the way that some people rotate streaming services yeah. <laughs> where I'm only going to pay the $18 a month in January and February? Right. And maybe can I get like two weeks in March before it starts to get nice again? Or is it like one of these things where you have to sign up like a contract yeah, with fucking you have Xfinity to or something? To, yeah. Either right. there'll be a long-term commitment or – they're going to come up with some goofy variable pricing where it's going to cost you a year's worth for the the, the, the two months that you actually want it. You know, some weird. This is, I know that it is, it is not unique to the car industry, so now I'm no longer talking about the car industry. But the subscription model for everything yeah. is a fucking nightmare. It's a disaster. I, yeah. I have, I've gone completely off the other end with any of this stuff. I don't want anything to be a subscription. I want to buy a fucking product and I want to take it to my house and I want to be able to use that fucking product for the rest of my life or until the product doesn't work anymore. And and the way that we buy music and the way that we buy television and movies and everything, it's all just fucking subscription based now to the point where apparently BMW thinks they can get away with charging you $18 a month to heat your butt in their fucking $70,000 luxury car and that's nuts. My two thoughts, I mean, my, my first reaction was like, oh, no, they're ruining everything. Like, because this was kind of mostly contained in, like, video games. You know, I keep on hearing about these goofy transactions you're going to pay. But I don't play video games other than, like, Sudoku. So, like, all right, right, well, fuck those people, right? But now it's, like, slowly getting – I mean, I'm BMW is still fuck those people because I'm not one of them. But it seems like it's coming <laughs> to a town near me now because they're, they're going to – this is, like, a trial balloon to see – what the reaction is. And there's going to be people that are going to complain, but since this is such a limited luxury, you know, whatever item, people are like, well, if they want to do it, that's fine. But if people are okay with that, they're going to come up with other transactional things to charge people for. It's always been the case that you can get different trim levels of the same car, right? So you can go, you can buy your, your Honda Accord 
and you can get the like I forget yeah. what the different letters are, like but LX there's like the S, is the yeah, there's the LX yeah. and the EX and the SC or something like that. Yeah, and so like you you get your different levels of trim and you get different features, and you can even see when you look at your Honda Accord dashboard, it's like wait, this is a button, but it, I push it and it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah. And so, like, you know you're missing out on something that you could have gotten in a different, in a, in a more expensive version of the car, but you don't know exactly what necessarily. Right. So is there is there an element of the fact that they're, like, shoving it in your face that makes this worse? <laughs> yes. Where, like, you have a heated seat button on your car and you press it and nothing happens and, like, some BMW asshole chimes. It's like, you know, for just $18 a month, you could be having a nice toasty ass right now. That's exactly the problem because it's like my car is capable of this but like i have to subscribe to something for it to be active or to be activated like if it's not in the car then whatever but if it's like hey like i mean i I, i'm actually trying to think of what other things they can do this to because there's not much you can i mean like radio stations or whatever i don't know what else they could do a subscription it's like all the cable channels but in a car, like, I wonder what other yeah. thing. I mean, they're not going to do that with windshield wipers or your seatbelts. You want the seatbelt to work, man? Like, give me, like, they can't do that. So that's that. what always weirded me out about where, where, when the extra trim got you better safety features. I always thought that was, that's like, wildly inappropriate. Been. I know they... it's how it's always been. But, like, selling the, like, lane assist or whatever, which, by the way, sucks. I was driving somebody else's Honda Accord a couple weeks ago, which had the more advanced... Uh, cruise control and the lane assist what stuff. It just, and, it just makes noise, does it? I mean, what does it do when... No, it, like, auto-corrects. Oh. So if you're... I was driving on the highway, and if the car thinks... Get used to it. That's how cars are going to be now. I know, but, like, I don't like this in-between. So, like, it's one thing to have a car that you're like, okay, fucking take me from Atlanta to Greenville and don't make a big scene about it, and I don't want to pay any attention, and I can, like, jerk off on my phone or whatever. The notion that I'm in control of the car, but also, like, the car's going to yell at me if I drift a little bit off a little bit because, like, the asshole next to me isn't keeping their goddamn lane, so I have to go a little bit around them, but I'm not actually changing lanes, and the car's like, no, fuck you, we're going back this way. He's like, no, you idiot. There's a car over there that's doing the wrong thing. I have more information, robot. Right, fuck off. Is there any chance Uh, of doing it wrong, like the dishwasher? Like, oh, man, I was watching this 45-minute YouTube thing, and this lane assist (laughs) thing... Works yeah. amazing. All you got to do I don't is know. A, B, and Z. It's plausible. <laughs> uh, one other thing in our bogus future this week is ring doorbells keep handing over footage to law enforcement without consent of the doorbell owner. Is this the story where I, I read a headline about something like that, and it was like 11 cases where they did this? Like it was like a yes. So that's the most recent one. This this has been a story for years because as soon as the doorbell cameras became a thing, the police were like, "So yeah, <laughs> about all that stored footage, uh, <laughs> off in offsite servers rather than in the customer's home. Uh, what do you think about turning that over?" But yeah, there was a, a more recent story from last week that eleven times in the past year. Ring provided doorbell footage to police without the owner's consent. Were these outward-facing cameras or were like inside? Like they? I, I think largely yes. I don't know if there's any stories of the police going to these different like nanny cam or yeah, security yeah. camera companies and and getting footage. 
I don't know what to say about this except like if you install a goddamn doorbell camera or or other security camera that's constantly connected to the internet and by agreement sends all of its footage to some offsite server and you don't think that anybody else is going to get a look at it, you're naive beyond belief. Right. And and also, uh, do do you think people would have a problem with it? Because it's like if it's like a video of it had nothing to do with you. It's just like oh, somebody was uh, there was a carjacking in your neighborhood, and th- this angle captures that crime. And unbeknownst to you, law enforcement is using that evidence to arrest this schmuck who uh, broke into a car, right? So, like, do you think if people find out oh? You did this without my permission, but it led to a conviction. Would people like, eh, well, whatever? Do you think they would still object or they would just say, fuck it? I mean, I have a huge problem with it personally, right. but <laughs> that's why I don't have a ring delivery or I don't have a ring doorbell on my house because it fucking weirds me out. I mean, again, this, this gets into privacy stuff and do we have any sort of expectation of privacy in the digital age no yeah and the answer is obviously we have no expectation of it but just because we don't have an expectation of it doesn't mean that we should expect all of our uh, law enforcement apparatus to have constant access to all of the many millions of cameras that are around all the time i want them to have it what good is it if law enforcement doesn't have it and if it leads to some good again you know i don't have any of these things i live in an apartment but like i don't want I don't want Mark Zuckerberg to have it. Right. I want right. Well, he definitely does, though. Isn't the other I know, thing, so. but like, as long as he's gonna have it, can they prevent crime or at least prosecute crime? I don't know. It uh, it seems bad to me. Do you think if they uh, gave you like a oh, well, why would they want to give you a discount for it? Uh, if there was some sort of like, hey, by the way, could we like anonymously use whatever for nothing related to you, but like. Do you think most people be like, yeah, I don't care? I imagine a lot of people would just start like, whatever. If it helps. I mean, so this gets into like, do we even care about privacy stuff at all, right? Because do you remember like 20 fucking years ago being on the internet and having, because I always had a sort of vague concern about being tracked online. I didn't feel good about that. Yeah. I didn't want Facebook and MySpace or whoever the fuck else to be able to follow me all over the internet and have access to all of that stuff. Now it seems like nobody fucking cares. No. Right? People are way more annoyed at having to go through, like, do you grant access for yeah. cookies on this site or whatever than they are. And, and like, I love it. And my, I, so it, what's funny is like, you can tell which sites are American owned and which sites are owned by the far superior European countries. Right. You go to like a bbc.co.uk site. And it's like, please check your cookie preferences before you continue here. And so you go through, and there's an option that's highlighted. It says only strictly functional necessary cookies. And then everything else is grayed out and not selected. And it's like, uh, do you want fucking Amazon to have access to all this shit? It's like, no, why would I want that? Do you want all, all, all this other stuff to be able to track you all over the internet? It's like, no. But it's also, it's grayed out. Whereas you go to some of these shitty American websites, and you say check my cookie preferences and all of the garbage ones are automatically selected and you have to say you have to proactively say yeah. i only want the strictly necessary ones yeah but this is a fight that nobody fucking cares because about anymore right do you, do you think it's because there hasn't been these worst case scenarios not to turn it to matt walsh oh they kept on talking about privacy and nobody talks about it anymore but like 
all of the concerns that were raised about what could happen when ne'er-do-well companies and governments have your private data, people's lives haven't been impacted negatively. It's not like, uh, you know, people are in jail or they've been, nothing bad has happened to anybody, anybody that's been strong, but to most people, their, their experiences yeah, but we're have also, been negative. We're also not getting ostensibly what, in my head, would be way better. Which, like, if they're getting all of the, it's like, what are we? We used to say on the show, what are we giving up and what are we getting in return? Yeah. And we we frame that in terms of on on the negative thing. I I'd like to reframe it in terms of the positive, which is like we're giving up all of this crazy data. Facebook has an entire personality profile yeah. and and economic profile and com like commercial profile of me, and a psychological profile. Like they have this entire version of me that they believe they understand represents me as a potential customer consumer or or individual human being right and what am i getting out of it fucking absolutely nothing right, right? like well, <laughs> facebook is a shitty product right and it doesn't deliver me any ads that fucking matter to me whatsoever it's like it's the same every three months it's the same fucking underpants ads <laughs> that facebook wants me to like what the fuck i'm not buying underpants on facebook you goddamn maniacs what am i giving up and what am i getting in return like you have all you have this apparently this like unthinkable profile of me as a human being and the only thing that you're doing with it is trying to convince me to be facebook friends with a, a person who also lives in my neighborhood and then also a kid that i went to middle school with who i don't have any interest in talking to whatsoever and also you're trying to sell me products that i will just simply never buy or alternatively bought six goddamn months ago and you're seeing an ad right. i'm seeing an ad for a product that i've already bought so like what am i giving up and what am i getting in return apparently i'm giving up everything and there's nothing positive that i'm getting in return for it well, i i think you're giving up your everything, but like to most people, like there is no value to the boring lives of humans, right? Basically, the only audience seems to be these marketing companies uh, who don't do a very good job of targeting the ads to you. Maybe they think they're being effective, but I don't think so. I have the same experience you have where it's like, well, I already bought that thing and now you're advertising to me again. Like I'm not going to get it a second time or some random generic item, but like, there is like no upside, but there's also not a lot of actual downside either. It's just like they're trying to package all of this data and there really isn't no audience that's going to do you harm with it. At least not right. yet. Maybe in 20 years, you know, but right now they haven't been able to do it uh, to use this information for any like evil that we know of. Yes. All right, two quick stories here. No, in the, the kids have to go to bed. I know, I know. We let the kids stay up late. Oh, yeah, fine. but we should just skip whatever bullshit you're no, talking this about is here. In incredibly fast. Two stories. This is treat this like the uh, at the end of the slate political gab fest. They do. No, don't don't do what you're skip to what you're gonna say. They do anyway. what's called cocktail chatter. Yeah. Where it's like, what are you gonna talk about this weekend right. when you're having a drink? Right. With your friends, what are you what are you gonna yap about? And the the first thing that I would yap about is a hero pizza delivery driver out of Indiana. Oh. Did you see this story, Abe? Go on with the story, and I'll tell pizza you. Pizza delivery boy, it's like late at night, after midnight, he's driving through this neighborhood, and he sees that there's a house on fire. He slams his car into reverse. He doesn't even have time to dial 911. He goes up, and he's banging on the door, trying to get people inside to wake up, get the fuck out of their house because their house is on fire. He goes to the back door, he kicks the back goddamn door in, and he's yelling in there, and he can't 
hear anybody. And then he starts hearing crying upstairs and he runs upstairs and he wakes up. There's like five kids in this house. He wakes up four of them. They all evacuate. And as they're getting outside, the older one says, my sister is still in there. And so the hero pizza delivery boy goes charging back into this burning house, has to descend into the downstairs, which is just this gray and black smoke-filled pit at this point, and pulls this girl out of the house of flame and kicks a window out from the upstairs because he can't get through the back door any longer because everything's on fucking fire. And he leaps out of the second-story window holding this girl. Holy shit. And absolutely saves her life. He suffers burns and smoke inhalation problems and a massive cut on his arm from when he literally punched the window out so that he could jump through it holding this girl. And he saved the lives of these five fucking people. Attaboy. It's just a spectacular story. And I highly recommend, I'll put a link in the show notes to the story. You can read all about it and like go fucking give him $5 on his GoFundMe or something like that. Look at uh, that. Terrific, terrific individual performance. And I know that you, Abe, uh, you would not have done such things. <laughs> no, 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 no. Surely the people who were not getting their pizza on time complained, too. I, yeah, uh, no doubt. There's no scenario where I'm going into a burning house. Yeah, you would have called 911 or something, I'm Perhaps. sure. Perhaps. You would have done yeah. something if you noticed that there was a house on fire. I would scream, get the fuck out of the house. What are you guys doing? The uh, other thing I'll quickly touch on, I'll just this will just be a link in the show notes. Abe, there was a video viral video many years ago it lives on in internet infamy and it's the video of a an attempted buzzer beater at the end of a half of high school basketball where uh, the center for this team gets the rebound and he rears back and throws a full court shot that comes up just short but despite not making contact with any basketball related equipment it does it's a direct head shot to a running small child. Oh, yeah, that's a good who, one. He gets completely flattened, and it's really, like, you watch it, you can watch this thing many times and get something new out of it every time that you watch it, and I've seen it many hundreds of times. But he gets hit in the side of the head with this basketball and goes immediately, like, head first into the, the hardwood floor of the basketball, and you can see his head bounce off of the yeah, floor, right? Yeah. Like, it's very intense. And then also, if you sort of zoom your eyes out from the immediate thing, you can watch as all of the people in the stands put their yeah, heads on yeah. their... <laughs> put their hands on their heads at the exact same time. Like, oh, no. And the universal, oh, no, yeah. sort of gesture. That's a wonderful, like, 10 seconds of video. And uh, the website, defector.com, managed to do all of the forensic journalism necessary Aww. to talk to both the person who took the shot and the person who received the shot. the shot. Yeah. Yeah, both took and took the shot. It's no profound moment of uh, transcendental humanity or anything like that. It's not even a very feel-good story. But it is, like, it's the sort of journalism that I get a great kick out of, which is tracking down otherwise anonymous individuals and finding out about their lives for the last 20 years. Right. Uh, and it's worth reading. For all these years, for whatever reason, at the back of my head, my thinking was always that the kid was running because he was going to go to the bathroom. He had to pee. But in, in the story, it was a vending machine uh, trip. When, right. I was like, what's Apparently the hurry? He was <laughs> excited about getting a bag of chips or a candy bar from the vending machine. Yeah. 
Uh, which makes it all the funnier yeah. to me. <laughs> like he's, he's just so happy. Like his dad probably gave him two quarters That's or something. Right. He's like, oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm going to go get me a bag of chips. He was probably nagging the parents whack. and he finally got it. And he's like, finally. And it's just, it's perfect yeah. because it's, you can see the kid running through frame at the start. And it's like the, the long, it's perfect for me because it's like the long series of events that the universe had to conspire around to get that ball to be in that spot at that exact moment that that kid's head is going by and to have it filmed yes. and for it to have been like the cameraman to have been self-aware enough to to take the camera that's on the tripod and pan it yeah. over as the shot is yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just perfect. It's great. Yeah. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Had some trouble getting started tonight, so we're we're cutting things a bit shorter than usual. You can find the show uh, at our webpage www.brainiron.com, castironbrains.com, also on Facebook or Twitter. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Before we get into what we watched tonight, we have a mystery of uh, oh. of the pink underpants that I wanted to. It's not just pink <laughs> underpants. Briefly discuss. <laughs> so, I was sweeping and mopping in our guest bedroom uh, last week, as I do every week. It must be said this is not a new occurrence, but as I ran my broom under the guest bedroom bed, I pulled out a wadded up t-shirt and within the wadded up t-shirt were three other items of clothing is a yellow like f- fucking charity 5k t-shirt run for autism yeah. or something a 5k run for autism or something and within the t-shirt there was also a pair of socks and a pair of pink underpants mm. and my assumption having found this collection of dirty clothes was that Lori's friend, who'd stayed with us the weekend before, had left them there. And like, no big deal. I laundered them. So here was my, here was my immediate dilemma, which is that as I pull the T-shirt out and it un- unravels and it unfurls, and then there's like fucking women's underpants there. And so my immediate thought was like, somebody is going to feel awkward about this. Yeah. Not that I feel awkward about this. To me, I'm just going to toss it in with the laundry and then it'll be clean clothes and like but at some point somewhere along the way someone is going to feel awkward about this and I wasn't sure how to handle it because the options are well, I could just throw it away. Yes. And like nobody ever it's just a, a shitty free giveaway t-shirt and right. an old pair of underpants. No Nobody's one's ever going to fucking looking think for about it. it. Yeah, like have you seen my right. Yeah. Nobody's ever thinking like yeah, I definitely left that under their bed when I stayed there. Like nobody ever thinks twice about it. It's much better ultimately if I had just tossed it in the trash but, you know, in all likelihood. There is the off chance that it held some sentimental oh, I met some yokel yeah. at this right. event. It's an autism and, run yeah. and it like my aunt had yeah. autism yeah. and this so meant a lot to me or whatever. Weird assumptions. Like I would so not feel awkward about having left a t shirt and <laughs> underpants somewhere. I know, but some people, in my head, there yeah, are... in n- your head, right. it's weird in there. In real life, it's fine. There are neurotic people in the world. The yeah, I- you. We attract fucking supremely neurotic sure. individuals Whatever. to our it's getting late. situation. The point is, turns out, it wasn't allegedly. Lori's friend, who stayed with us last week, has denied that this was her set of clothing. She said she noticed it under there. Oh, yeah. Well, she would. If she was going to be weird and embarrassed and neurotic about it, she would say, yeah, I noticed that, but that's totally not mine. Yeah, definitely not my underpants. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I believe that they're not hers, but it, I can't rule it out entirely. It's somebody's. The point is, we've also we've asked, asked everyone we know, everyone that we know who plausibly could have stayed in our guest bedroom at any point in the last couple of years. Everyone denies right. that this T-shirt and underpants and socks belong to them, which I don't understand. Because first of all, they can't have been under there for that long because we built the bed at the start of the right. pandemic. Like, first of all. Well, that, that's the so thing. It, it basically limits it. It's not like a year's worth of guests. It was within the last couple of weeks, right? It could right? be your mom. I guess conceivably it could be my mother. It could be my – I'm trying to think of who else has even stayed in that room. But anyway, not many people. This is a this is the long this is the it's the weird. mystery of the week in our house is whose yellow five k autism t shirt and pink underpants are are mysteriously showing. Maybe there's just like a portal down there, and we're like we're gonna get Malkovich style. We're gonna start getting strange detritus from the universe dumped into our guest bedroom. It's possible. Abe. Yes. Have you been to the movies? I've been to the movies twice, and both of the movies were not good. Uh, what were they? Thor, uh, not very good. Uh, and uh, this. I'm sorry. What was the name of the movie? Thor. You know the the lightning guy. Oh, yeah. uh, Love and Thunder. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Not very no good. good movie. No. It, it just. I enjoyed the uh, Ragnarok Thor movie. I thought that yeah, was the that was fun. Person I went to with uh, Mike. Uh, he liked that one, but he didn't like this one. I didn't like either one. I just. I think I just go to these cartoon movies just for the spectacle, but I don't like the story. I don't like the way they present the story. I don't like the destruction that they cause in this, these worlds. It's like, I hate these people. They ruin things. Hey, this is, you're referring to like 75% of modern movies <laughs> at this moment. Why do you go to the movies but all the, the problem, goddamn time? So the problem, better to do. I, I was like, as a, a change of pace, I went to go see another movie, and it was based on a book I've never heard of. Apparently it was like this bestseller, movie? something about crawdads. Like it's Where called. The crawdads yeah. thing? I had, it fucking boring? It looks boring. Yeah, I had no idea what the movie was about. And they must have left, they left out way too much from the books because the movie makes no sense. It's like nonsensical, like some woman gets abandoned by her entire family. Sense. Like for whatever, yeah. they're an explanation. They're like, oh, the husband is violent, so let's all leave the youngest. Have you seen any of the news coverage about that? writer in the last couple of weeks i saw a snippet about she's like accused of killing somebody in real life or something yeah. i don't know so her apparently her inspiration for this story comes in part from her having spent time in africa on various wildlife preserves and apparently her husband and stepson conceivably should have been charged in the murder yeah. of a, a couple of different poachers yeah and so a lot of that weird do I trust the people around me to not be murderers? Energy <laughs> made its way into her book. Well, I mean, in the book, she or in the movie, uh, she apparently killed some rapist ex-boyfriend. Uh, right, right. Spo spoilers, uh, ah, to yeah, be yeah. clear. But yeah, she apparently does a, a justice killing of her rapist, right? Yeah. Is, is they, how the, the story ends in the book and in the movie. The movie did a terrible job of, of, of uh, navigating the court case where they presented that it's implausible for her to have been able to do what she did and the movie ends in like but i did do it -ha -ha -ha. and then you know and, right or whatever like very stupid. right and so but the point being that this like justifiable killing happens in this book and it's plausible that she witnessed 
what she would have considered at the time an actual justifiable right. killing right. in real life. Right. And how, how did that interact with uh, her fiction? And so that's the story that's going well, on. By the way, this book has sold like a billion yeah, fucking like copies. everyone at the salon is reading it. It's it. one like of the most... Like ev- it just looks like we're in school and everyone's reading it. It's one of the most successful works of fiction in the modern era. I saw a number that was like in the... Like ten or thirteen million, co- it's like some ridiculous number, and I'm, I just never even heard of it. It just—it's a catchy title. Yeah, and that's why apparently, I, I was surprised I never heard of it. Apparently, it's Reese Witherspoon's fault. Yeah, she's like the modern, oh, she's the modern Oprah, and if she yeah. talks about it on her Instagram, then people are gonna buy it up. Yeah, she she's the production behind this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have been watching the new Netflix documentary about psychedelics. Uh, the Michael oh, Pollan right. guy. Yeah, and each, uh, each episode wrote, is like a uh, different drug, right? It's like yeah, right. He wrote a book. Four. He also, I think, I must have read a long article in like the New Yorker or the Atlantic or whoever whoever published a giant excerpt of this book. But I, a lot of this is extremely familiar to me, and it's probably because I heard a bunch of podcasts and interviews that he did when the book came out uh, last year. But it's super interesting, and it's definitely worth your time if you're at all interested in this sort of thing. But he he talks about. He, one episode is dedicated to the the history of LSD, acid. Uh, another episode on psilocybin, which is the the magic mushrooms, and I forget what the other ecstasy ones are. Ecstasy and ecstasy. ayahuasca, yeah. I think. Yeah, and other stuff is still to come. We're halfway through that. It's interesting and worthwhile. We are also watching. What is the other thing that we started? The sex room thing. No. It's another. Oh, doc- the anarchists. That's right. Uh, on oh HBO. It's not the first. There's episode. a new series, and they're not. It's not bingeable, so they're doing a week at a time. I think uh, we've only seen the first episode, and uh, it's about these people who started a convention in Acapulco called Anarchopoco, and it's a bunch of anarchy-loving, freedom-loving maniac types who go to Mexico. And based on the first episode alone, I think we can assume that a lot of them end up dead. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> the talking heads so. survive. I don't know the, I don't know. They're doing interviews with them. Yeah. The talking heads right, survive, but, but anybody who's mentioned and not, and he's not talking or she's not talking, they're dead. Right. You got to right. assume. If, if, if they are prominently featured <laughs> and it's all archival footage, <laughs> yes. then I think we can assume <laughs> that it's going to be bad news for them. Steve loved to the have a good run. time. You know, they show old footage that person is dead you know right but what could possibly go wrong in a society without rules uh notably this person hasn't really talked to this person for this this movie by the way uh, uh it's it's only one episode but i did not like one single they all came across as insufferable little shits who don't understand how things work they're like wouldn't it be nice if we had all of this freedom and it's like you including know, including by the way the documentary maker yes, himself yes. who i think is probably started off much more sympathetic to the cause <laughs> and like buddy buddy with all of these people in order to get the the footage and the interviews yeah like I, i'm sure that he's not entirely is is not an entirely objective filmmaker right uh, thing happening here but it's interesting also on the uh on the hbo front uh it's only one episode but uh uh, Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal is like, a, uh, speaking of neurotic types, uh, uh, it's uh, a ridiculous premise for a show, but it's funny. I would recommend people watch that. There's only been one episode. Cool. We'll of check it. that out, too. I think that's all we've been watching. We haven't been. We watched a really stellar Lifetime movie. Oh, Jesus. Oh, what yeah. was it? We watched. <laughs> it was, what was the name of it? 
Obsessed with the babysitter. Obsessed with the babysitter. It's my best friend came over, and that's what we like to watch, so that we can just talk the whole time, and it, we're not missing a movie. Among the worst things I've ever endured Ob- for an extended period. Ob- of you could have left. Yeah. <laughs> Obset- obsessed in a violent way or in a sexual way? Like yes, in a violent uh, way. Okay. No, in like a he wanted to like marry her. Okay. He's an actual murderer person. Oh. He does he actual murder murders. Her. He dabbles in murder. Is he like a serial killer or something? No. Okay. I mean, yeah. Technically, maybe. I, don't I think know. yes. You'd have to watch <laughs> okay. it. Don't it's do on it. Who. By the way, <laughs> I, I, I did watch this uh, sex room uh, goofy show. It's actually yes. not bad. At, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm looking at the sixth it's episode. It's not bad in what in what context is it not bad? I thought it would be a, a lot more gratuitous, but it's just like these people that are into this random shit, you know. So it's like, oh, this is like a any like it could be like an HGTV, you know, like oh they want to change their room yeah, into. Yeah, it could this. be on HGTV yeah. in general. By the way, the only reason to go to Late like your night. the only reason to go to your neighbor's open house is to find out if <laughs> secretly all along they've had a sex dungeon in their house, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if a house goes up for sale in your neighborhood and they're having an open house, don't you want to like hop over there and just find out if they've got a bunch of BDSM equipment like, tied up to the garage? I didn't know you were in the market, Bob. I was like, no, I'm not. Just no, just having a peek. What's what's in the closet? I always wondered what was in your basement closet. You uh, got anything else for us tonight? Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. Strassman. What a bummer. It's all about attitude. Let's just Even in 97 degree heat, hope flourishes in this quarter acre organic garden. When you take it home, share it with your family. It can Reggie Singleton, a 60 year old master gardener, founded the Mail's Place in 2009. He teaches a couple dozen mostly teenagers life lessons about getting in the dirt and working up a sweat. We're not a soft program. What kind of Values can you learn? Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Gardening involves nutrients and fertilizer, patience and commitment. It's not always uh, sunshine and rainbows. Plants definitely take time to grow. It doesn't happen overnight. Fruits and vegetables they reap, they sell at this farmer's market and replant profits in the program. You should expect a bounty harvest. Uh, especially when you cultivate it and take care of it on a regular basis. What are you really growing here? We're growing men. The real bumper crop is the boys themselves. Absolutely. These sweet potatoes, why not? To bear fruit, that weed is not going to hoe itself. These are the okra plants right here. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Charlotte. So, so first, when he does this, the real bumper crop is the boys themselves. Absolutely. If I ask that guy, yeah. did Mark Strassman get off a good one? Yeah. He would say absolutely yeah. he did. <laughs> when he when he smiles yeah. like that, he says, yeah, yeah, you, you did it, Mark. That was a good one. Also, uh, they're almost like kindred spirits. They have the same kind of uh, thought, pro- the way they think about stuff, it's kind of funny. To bear fruit, that weed is not going to hoe itself. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Charlotte. <laughs> it sounds like a gross rapper line or something, but it's very much not. Uh, but yeah. Oh boy. I love that man. Yeah, I really wish that he was. He was all journalism. I would be so much happier.
Anyway. Uh, All right. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Listen the SBs, Abe. <laughs>